They didn't realize we were seeds. They didn't realize you were seeds. We open doors so others can walk through them. Your legacy is every life you have ever touched. I'm Stella Sagliari, and this is Salt the Podcast. Welcome to Salt the Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. My guest today is Odile Rosendahl. Odile is a psychologist and walking coach who loves summers in Amsterdam, getting lost in beautiful and old villages in France. She's humbled by the sea, the ocean, when she's at the coasts watching the sunset. And there's something special to her about beach life. She also loves to read psychological thrillers. Harry Potter, and even wrote a novel herself in Dutch called Princess Ezra and the Treasure of Baskara. She started with roller skating to feel more connected to her inner child and feels the most free when she dances, and it is something that she never wants to give up. In this episode, we talk about the power and benefits of walking coaching, what Odile means when she says she's a coach of color. We talk about mom guilt and the difference between toxic positivity and positive psychology. We also talk about loss and grief, and precisely the death of Odile's dad, who keeps popping up here and there throughout the entire episode. And while we are doing all that, our overall aim is to go against fixed labels that put us into boxes, and that not only prevent us from being ourselves, but also denounce who we were when we started life. So we want to kick those boxes, smash the labels, and stop justifying ourselves stop over-explaining, and stop using express expressions such as, do you know what I mean? In doing so, Odile shares with us her in-betweens, the pain, the tears, her thought processes, doubts, describes things that were difficult. She reflects and connects. And I'm happy that we've had this conversation together. Welcome, Odile. Welcome to Soul the Podcast. I'm very happy that you are here with us today. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yes. And um, of course, as I always start the episodes with, we want to um, get to know a little bit more actually about yourself. So I would like you to take us on a journey and tell us something mm -hmm. about yourself, whatever you want. Like, okay. yes, the floor is yours. So I am Odile Rosendahl and I am creative. I am funny. I am ambitious. Sweet, sometimes a little bit catty. <laughs> um, I'm intelligent, but I suffer from imposter syndrome a lot. So people describe me as warm and calm, but inside I often feel really chaotic. So I consider myself a social introvert. So as you can hear, I have taught myself not to list my age, profession, my roles um, first. You know, we women, we do that so often while it actually doesn't say much about who we are in essence. So I really try to, you know, be aware of who am I in my core? Who, what's my, you know, my, my strengths, my vulnerabilities. I really believe you can only be truly happy when you're your authentic self. 
And it says a lot about me because uh, all my life, this actually has been both a statement and a journey. When I start, like my, my birth name is Odil Sheryl Doost. You know, so as a child, I was sometimes compulsive and I already had like great sense of uh, responsibility. Uh, I was very precise, felt very guilty, very sensitive, very self-conscious. And, you know, later in life, I concluded like, you know, I was just born with this old soul. But now when I look back and after self-development and, you know, my healing journey, I really think it's a combination of personality, context, a context and my upbringing, which also includes some hardship and trauma. So I was born in Suriname. Uh, I moved to the Netherlands when I was three years old and I grew up in a mainly white city. Like many migrant parents, my parents, well, they, they left a lot behind uh, and we're looking for like a, a middle ground, you know, in, in the upbringing between like the Dutch culture and the Surinamese culture. So I, I really think they did their best and I have really nice memories. But at the same time, you know, emotionally, they were not very available. They have their own limitation due to their, to their own experiences, own trauma and just difference in generation, I think. So like any child, I try to fit in at school. That mostly worked, sometimes not. Um, but I remember being very, I remember being nervous easily, you know, and also because of tensions between my parents. Um, but at the same time, I was social, playful, had a lot of friends. So I look back, you know, it's, it's with mixed feelings and mixed memories. In high school, I want to be different. <laughs> I wanted to be different and not to be put in a box, you know, like you're this or you're that. So of course I was put in a box different. <laughs> I started dating my high school sweetheart and 23 years later, we're still together and have two children. Um, now I can say a way, way too much, way, way too serious relationship for that age. And, um, you know, I will advise against but at the same time, I'm very grateful that I have been with my soulmate for so long. So that's me in short. <laughs> Thank you so much for this introduction. I like really that you introduce yourself with the adjectives. <laughs> I, I found it really special. And also thank you already so much for being so honest and so open and sharing so many things with us that are a part of you. And while you were talking, you also mentioned trauma, you mentioned self-development, and you are, of course, as we know, a coach. And I have a very special relationship with coaching. I think I will share more about that later. Mm -hmm. And I want to know, how did coaching come to you? Like, why did you decide to become a coach? And how, how did coaching find you? How did you find coaching? What is the journey behind that? Now you took us a bit on a journey about yourself. Yeah. And now I would like to add to it the coaching journey. Yeah. So, so the journey continues uh, me going to uh, university and studying psychology and becoming a psychologist, a therapist, which much has to do with, you know, being empathic and sensitive and um, for good reasons and not so good reasons, but it, you know, it became my superpower to say so. So I did that for like almost nine years. 
no longer, longer, no, I'm not saying it correctly, 10 years. And well, actually being good in my work, also satisfied and, and then making this decision to do, to, to find a new workplace, something that is closer to home. And, you know, I worked a lot with um, children, uh, refugees and, and children coming from families with a lot of trauma and abuse. So I was like, now I think it's time for me to focus on adults and like more milder problem because, you know, it's, it's not nothing. So I, I decided to work somewhere, somewhere else. And actually when I started there in the same month, we learned that my father was sick, uh, very sick with brain tumors and a treatment wasn't possible. So then, you know, my whole world just was upside down and on fire. And um, I also lost my job because of it, because it was like a small startup and they find it a little bit difficult and complicated. So like in a month, it was, it went like, you know, feeling like on top of the world to, to oh my God, I don't have a job. My father's going to die. Like, what do I do? So this was a very dark time for me. And I have to say my first great loss, you know, and in the beginning, it's like living loss. You see your parent, like, you know, just, um, how do you say it in English? Achteruitgaan, what's that in English again? <laughs> like to, no, this I also don't know, to uh, fall apart? No. Fall up, yeah, well, fall apart. That Exactly, actually. Fall apart. Uh, like every week, there's something new, you know. Um, which is heartbreaking. I never experienced this before. And so it was like a real crisis. So how I come out of this was to go outside every day. And I didn't have any purpose, you know, but it started, you know what, I'm in a really bad place right now and I'm really unhappy and so sad. And I'm just going to buy some very expensive coffee for myself in Amsterdam center. I'm going to uh, bike there or I go to a park. It doesn't matter what I'm going to do, but I just need to go out. So I started walking a lot and it helped me. It helped me to, to gain more perspective. It helped me to sleep better. It helped me to, you know, when you're at home all the time with all these thoughts and the sadness, it's like, you know, it's so heavy so it, it helped me to distract myself, but also, and, and this is what I really, really love about walking coaching or walking therapy, just walking in general, that like implicitly it's telling you like, whatever is going on, move forward, step by step, continue, whatever the pace is. Now, sometimes you have to go slow. Sometimes you can do a little sprint, but don't stop, you know, and so for me, it, it, it meant, it meant, well, it, it really helped me to come off this dark place. And, um, slowly I started working again and, uh, picked up my life. And then, then COVID came <laughs> after my father passed away. So there was the first lockdown, which was also hard, but the, the idea of walking coaching was born then. And I have to say that the first concept was a little bit different. But how it turned out is me uh, combining coaching, like just in in, um, in a room, in an office uh, with walking coaching. And I really, really believe 
that if we want to learn something, if we want to gain new insights, if we want to grow, you cannot just only do it by talking and sitting and, and, you know, you have to be in movement. You have to, you have to not only, um, think it and say it, you have to feel it. And there are many different ways and, and interventions to, to achieve this. Uh, and walking coaching is one of those. And it's also, you know, it has a lot of benefits for your physical health, but also that it, when you walk, you make these, these happy hormones, you know? So, so if you are going through something that is very difficult or very heartbreaking, you talk about it and walking, you really experience it in a different way. It's like you almost wear like an, another glasses, you know? You see things differently. And and that's that's so powerful about walking coaching. So that's when it was born. Yeah. Beautiful. Yes. I I when you talk about the walking and what does it do to somebody when you go outdoors, I can really identify with it. Yeah. When my head is full, sometimes you stay in the house, you you hide yourself, right? And then at one point you go outside and you say, Why didn't I do that earlier? Exactly. It's so good, you know. It doesn't matter whether it's raining or windy or summer yeah. or beautiful weather, but it's so, so helpful and so special. Yes. Yeah. And um, you already explained to us that um, you're a walking coach, but you also describe yourself um, as a coach of color. Yeah. So can you share with us a bit more about that? What yeah, it means to you, what it means in general? So when I say I'm a coach of color, um, first of all, uh, someone noticed like, okay, so you're a coach, but you're also a woman of color so i think you should really emphasize it like it's important a lot of women of color a lot of black women they are looking for a black coach or a black therapist or something you know who mm -hmm. looks like them so so that's what it also means just me being a person of color but it's it's more it's it's broader than that it's like when i talk about being a coach of color i mean like we all have our colors we all have our layers we all you know, we are not black or white. You have a range of colors and, and the color, color stands for our personality traits, our strengths, our uh, quirks, our, you know, our goofy things, our, the experience we had, which made us the way we are. So it's actually about what is, what are your true colors? And I, my strength, my superpower is to really read people and to, to discover this and and that's also one of my missions because a lot of women especially millennials i'm a millennial <laughs> i didn't mention my age right yeah i'm a millennial <laughs> 37 years old um but a lot of women who i coach they come to me saying like you know i checked all the boxes <laughs> i uh, went to college and i bought a house and i have a partner and i have children but who am I? You know, I don't know who I am. I don't know what I like. I don't know. I just don't know. And I think that's so sad at the same time, especially because these women, and, and I consider myself one of these women, we did so good. You know, we were the good girls. We, we did so good. We were, we did what, uh, what us was told. And that is, if you just try your best and you will be happy. And we find, we find out it's not true. You know, a lot of, a lot of us went burned out. Uh, a lot of us uh, are not happy 
in a workplace or feel stuck in a relationship. And it all it all has to do with, okay, but who are you? What do you want? What what do you stand for? What do you totally dislike? Who are you in your core? So when I say I'm a coach of color, my mission is really to, you know, to discover your colors. And I think if that's more uh, clear to you, like everything falls in place and it's much easier to make any decision actually if it comes to work or like personal life. So I work from the inside out. I I like it a lot, what you just said. Also, because I always say boxes are the problem. The fact that people want to box us into things, you know, but who are you? What do you mean you're from there and you're from here and you're this and how can you be a mom, but you can also be this, what you have four children, you know, always these these (laughs) boxes. Yeah, exactly. And since a very young age, I always rebelled against these boxes, you know, and I always say we, we are many things that we have to be willful about it and we don't have to allow people to box us. So that's why, again, I also like that you introduced <laughs> yourself with I'm intelligent, I'm um, an extrovert, I'm an introvert. That's why I like that you introduced yourself with all these different features that can mean so many different things to so exactly. many different people and that you also sometimes feel like, Oh, how can you be this, but then also that? Yeah, because I'm many things. You cannot put I'm me into things. a box. Exactly. And it's so liberating. And um, yeah, just. Yeah, because said, if, I I would, love it. if I would introduce myself with, my name is Odile Rosendahl. I'm 37 years old. I have two children. I'm married. I, my profession, you know, I'm a therapist. Like, what does it really say about me? Because there are many women with two children who are 37 years old who are married and who are therapists like you know it doesn't doesn't say anything (laughs) or it's just one little thing of you you know but already you took us on a journey you you gave us so much more about yourself so Mm. thank you so much for also bringing (laughs) now the, the aspect of the boxes into it um and also this whole thing of the good girl i don't know if it's our generation that for sure, the ones before definitely oh, for have to sure. suffer from it. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we are the first generation who is kind of no, not anymore with this good girls, like in 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 um in a larger amount. Of course, this has always been happening, but I feel like our generation is really feels like, like our generation is like waking up and we're like the cycle breakers. But it, you know, if you if you look at like Gen Z and Oh, there's there's so much further. I I love it totally. totally. <laughs> but, we're, but we're still struggling. We, yes, know, we have to yes. we have to like really what is the word? Not learn, but unlearn. Unlearn. Yes, unlearn. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, we yeah. have to unlearn a lot, a lot. Yeah. Totally. Yes, that's true. And um, you, yeah, it's actually good that we talk about the good good girl thing because <laughs> my next question is about expressing ourselves without justifications and explanations. And this is something that you are very uh, vocal about. You're very fierce on that, that you say for us as women, it's important that we stop justifying ourselves, explaining ourselves all the time. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Yes. So um, in short, uh, because because it really doesn't matter if we do. (laughs) It doesn't. I mean, like if you look at history it doesn't matter and actually it keeps us in this mental prison like like if if i do it the right way if i justify if i 
then maybe my message message is heard. Then maybe this is accepted. Then maybe no, it's not. If if we look back, we see that we women always always used our voice, but we try to do this in this system where you know the system which is designed to just not hear us. So it it really doesn't matter. Just do you and and stop with with explaining yourself and and it's so actually it's like double it's a little bit provocative <laughs> to like the the to society to you know wake them up in a way it, i really see it as the new form of resistance but it's also a wake up for yourself because when you start doing you making decisions without justification all these things it 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 really changed something in yourself because you're going to experience that you really want to. <laughs> you have to urge to explain. You have to urge. For example, I have this agreement with myself that I, I, I'm really trying to unlearn saying like if I explain, explain something or tell some, told something by ending, if that make any sense. Mm-hmm. Oh. Such, such a <laughs> or woman do you know thing what I to mean? do. Like, do you know what I mean? If you, if it make any sense, yes, I perfectly make sense. I do, and if not, I will hear it. <laughs> you know. So, so for me, it's it's actually. I think it's my way of of um, being an activist. I guess because I really don't believe. I, I just don't. I'm a little bit bitter, actually. <laughs> you know, I, I really want to be optimistic. Uh, about where we are going as women and I see a lot of positive things and development but at the same time I also see a system that is so strong and and I see the struggle in women and and the, and the fear and the self-doubt and I know from my own experience how that can slow us down or do not you know of that we don't uh, go f- follow our dreams and I think it's it's such a pity you know it's such a waste actually. So that's why I'm very fierce about this. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of energy put into, into, I'm going to use the, like into the wrong thinking or into the, the wrong things, the wrong thoughts, the wrong words, the wrong expressions. Yes. And we do it. It's so automated that we do it many times unconsciously. And then later we think, shit, why did I even say that? Why did I even allow this person to make me explain myself? Like exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So- Something, yeah, we, we are already learning from a very young age. So it's, it's true what you say. We have to unlearn. We have to also become aware of it, that we're doing it. And once you exactly, become aware, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm doing this. I'm doing it. All and, the time. And the reality is there is this double standard. As 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 young girls, we 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 uh, we are taught to be nice, you know, mm-hmm. where boys didn't have to be nice. So if if we if we are more, you know straightforward and more like strict we are not so nice and and i think it's for us like a big hurdle to overcome this this idea that maybe people don't consider us as nice and to embrace that like yeah and not to care about it and not to care about it you know i think i think that's a big one because society really reward us women for being this caring uh, you know, um, creatures mm-hmm. and nurturing and nice and always listening and patient. And 
but we're human too. We're human with all these colors and emotions and frustrations and, you know, needs. Yeah. Yeah. And it's again, the box. You're being put in a box. It's the box. And if you don't tick the box, then. Yeah. And, 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 and like stating something and then explaining yourself is actually like asking nicely to not be put in a box, you know, but to be accepted. Exactly. But you have to, you have to, you have to, you know, like kick the box yourself and just get out. You know, I think that's the only way. Yes. Um, Like also you work, I mean, we, we had of course a a conversation beforehand and you explained to me um, that you work, your approach works a lot with positive psychology. Yes. Um, and we also spoke about toxic positivity. And I think toxic positivity, I mean, first of all, I hate it with a passion. And I also think it's a big, big problem. So can you explain to us the difference between toxic positivity and positive psychology and how you incorporate that into your work as a coach? Yes. And yes. also as a psychologist. That's a really nice question. So... Um, when we talk about toxic positivity, we talk about all positive expressions, uh, gestures, whereas the amount of to- well, how would I say the amount of positivity and the timing isn't right, and the impact actually is quite damaging. While the intention is good. So, so let me clear about that. Most of the time, the intention is really good, but the impact is damaging. So think about uh, sayings like positive, positive vibes only. I really, I really hate it. No, real vibes only. You know, positive vibes only. It's actually saying if you feel down or if you feel sad or if you're grumpy, there's no place for that. And we are human beings. And when people talk about a lot of times people talk about negative emotions and positive emotions. There's not such thing. There are just emotions and some are pleasant and some are less pleasant. But we need all of them. If you think, if, if we don't have sadness or anger, for, for example, if we didn't have anger or fear, we wouldn't survive <laughs> as a species. You know, we need this emotion because it, it, it gives us information. Like maybe someone stepped over my, my, my boundaries or maybe I don't feel comfortable with this or maybe, you know, it, it gives us information and we need to like re- reflect on that and we need to process it and then we come out a better person or a wiser person or a stronger person. And if you say like there's no room for that, you, you you try to skip that whole process, which makes us actually more uh, more human, more human and and real. And the impact is that the person who is feeling down or whatever feels like a negative Nancy, like oh yeah maybe maybe I'm too difficult, maybe I'm too this, maybe I'm too that. And, you know, especially as, as, as a woman, we, we already feel like we are too much very soon, very easily, I mean. So, so what happens is this, this person who try to, you know, share his or her pain, her story, her whatever, decides like, okay, let, let me keep it to myself. 
and and we know like if if there is some hardship is there if there are some difficulties and we we internalize it we get sick yeah. you know emotions is they're like like energy it needs to flow and it's better to let it flow outside of you uh, if if you share it with someone or if you don't, like if it's like journaling or going for a walk or like screaming in a pillow, but but it have it has to come out and and it's it's actually sad if if someone is is sharing this yeah difficult moment with you and and you would say like you know positive vibes only and well worse things can happen or at least you has the at least you have this or that you know. It and and the intention is good. It's like try to shift the focus to things where you can feel gratitude, but the timing isn't right. No, you first have to go through it, and then then this this moment uh, spontaneously will come where you feel like, okay, but at least I have my friends, or thank God I live in a safe country. It will come by itself when the time is right. So, and, and another thing is that sometimes people are toxic in a positive way, yeah, using toxic positivity because they, they themselves find it very uncomfortable to deal with difficult emotions and difficult situations. And, and that's their way of saying, please don't bother me with it. I, 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 I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I find it too hard. So that's also a thing. So that is toxic positivity. And then positive psychology is actually um, started as, as, as a study about what are our character strengths as humans being and what, what is universal, you know? What do we all have inside of us or um, if it comes to traits and, and, and strengths? And so when we think about positive positive psychology what we do is we we do not diminish experiences we do not deny hardship we do not uh, twist or make a remix of of what's happening we we face this challenge how it is and we look at what are your strengths to overcome this challenge and we look at, okay, but what are your, maybe your weaknesses, and, but how can you use your strengths to, to empower yourself to get through this? So it's much more solution-focused and much more process-focused than just a statement where you just have to feel a type of way, you know? So it's, it's much more open for all the feelings, all the emotions. Like, it's hard. It's, it's validating. And at the same time, it's like, let's look together what might help you overcome this and what is already inside of you, what, what might help you, you know? So the difference is, is timing. It's, it's the nuances, I guess. It's the duality. Yeah, I think that's the difference, mostly. Thank you so much for explaining all of it and, and, and contextualizing everything. Like... Thank you so much. It's so <laughs> important. And one other thing that, I mean, you said it, you're a mom. I'm a mom. You say, yeah, okay, I could have said I'm a mom of two. What does it mean? 
I think being a mom means so many things. Saying I'm a mother or I'm a mother of two doesn't say nothing. <laughs> because <laughs> being a mother or being a parent, it's not like mm -hmm. I'm saying being a father is easy, but we're focusing today on, on, on being a mom. Yeah. It's uh, so many, 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 many things and so many things that we don't talk about, so many things that we carry with us, so many things that we suppress, so many things where maybe we do use toxic positivity and we say, come on, don't be like this. And so many things we also struggle on our own because I think it's a very complex thing to be a mom. It can be messy. It can be challenging. It can evoke a lot of trauma, things that come back from the past that maybe you feel like, oof, where is this coming from now? Why is this even appearing here right now? Mm. And one of the things that we as moms deal with a lot, and to be honest, every mom I've spoken with, and I'm including myself here, uh, has admitted, I mean, admitted, not, oh, I admitted, not in that way, to it. And it's the mom guilt. Um, I, I spoke uh, the other day with a friend and, and she says, you know what? Every single day at the end of the day, I feel I didn't do enough. I didn't do enough for my partner. I didn't do enough in the house. I didn't do enough for myself. I didn't do enough for my kids. I failed here. I failed there. So on and so forth. So I think mom guilt, this is a really, really big, big topic. Um, and I know you've also talked about this uh, a lot. And um, it's a topic that you're also very, very passionate about, let's say. And, and you say also mom guilt that gnawing and heavy feeling in your stomach, those negative thoughts that you can't turn off, the feeling mm -hmm. of failing as a mother over and over again, those voices in our heads. Let's talk about it. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's a big one. And yeah, that's a big one. And, and so true. I, I remember um, coming back to work after um, maternity leave. And it was actually, like a nice experience coming back. And now I was part of the mom tribe. You know, I was also really welcomed back by my coworkers who, who are mothers. So that was really nice because immediately we can, we could also talk about, you know, the struggles and do you also have this and, do you, you know, all the insecurities as, as a young mom. So that was very nice. But what also was very clear to me when I came back is when I thought, like, I feel so guilty about this, about that, you know, in my new role as a mother, that the feedback I got actually was, yeah, that's part of being a mother. <laughs> and and a part of me was like, oh, thank God, I'm normal. <laughs> like, okay, I'm not the only one. But later on, it it doesn't sit, it doesn't sit right with me because like embracing, like, okay, I became a mom, so... Feeling guilty is like a bonus, you know. I'm gonna embrace that too because that's what everybody everybody's saying. But I did I did feel heavy and guilty and negative and like you know not doing enough and not being enough and you know it, it really does a number on you actually. So after some more years and a burnout and other <laughs> crises, I actually was forced. I was forced to to look at it differently because it was like eating me up. You know, when, when I got a burnout, which means I couldn't do, well, I, I couldn't, what is it? How do you say that I could do less, you know, because I, I couldn't do the housework as much as I wanted and 
you know, bathing the kids and cooking and everything. And so I felt like I, I, um, like you lost your worth. I lost my word, but like shortcoming, is that a word? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. Like you were coming short. All, coming you were short. not meeting all the demands yeah. or all coming the short, expectations. That's it. Yes, all the time, and it was eating me up. While I was trying to trying to recover, you know. So I was like, I really, I really need to think about this in a different way because it's 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 holding me back from my recovery. It's 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 taking so much energy and and uh, attention, and all I want to do is feel better and. And that I can work again, that I can play with my children again. So to me, it it what I did is really like like I bought this journal and I started to write down the things I did well, the things I did good that day. And it could be small things or bigger things. But for me, it was very important to focus on what I did do right, where I didn't uh, came short, you know. And in a later phase. I was able to to really challenge the thoughts I had about, you know, feeling guilty over this and over that. So what I'm trying to say, what I'm trying to say is that the mom guilt, it's it's never gonna be gone and forever, you know, forever. No, it's not. But I did learn myself to make it functional. Where at first it was, it was like this passive parasite, you know, <laughs> like here it is and it's going to stay here forever and we're going to welcome our guest. And it it became more like, okay, I feel guilty. Let me, let me do the research. What is going on? I made, I made it functional. I made it self, you know, to self-reflect like, okay, I feel guilty about what, why is, is this? Is this right? Or, you know, I try to look at it more in an objective way. But also, if it's something that I really feel like, yeah, I, I should have done better. Or I, or maybe I am not uh, making decisions from my core values. Or I said I wanted to be like uh, a mom who does this and this. But the reality is showing something different. So, you know, there is there is this this contrast. So... If there were things where I felt like, okay, I'm, I'm really not happy about this. Or I'm not satisfied with, with this. Then I can make a choice. Then I can make a choice. Like, okay, what, what can help me to choose better? And sometimes it is, I need to drop some balls. You know, I need to leave some other things. So I have more energy, more time, more concentration, more, you know, to be fully present with my children so I can play with them or, you know, uh, do a, a game or whatever. And sometimes um, the answer is like, no, I think, I think I'm okay. You know, I think I'm doing good, but we have to self-reflect and not just embrace it. Like it's, it's like a truth. Yeah. I really don't think it is. And, and it's not like a recipe that you are never going to feel guilty again, but, but, I use it now as a tool to 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 check like okay am I living the way I want to am I am I the mother I want to be or are my expectations maybe too high and actually find your tribe of moms who lift you up because we say you know it's it's a, it takes a village to raise a child 
actually it takes a village to raise a mom. And, and we forget that. And we see it more in cultures like in Asia and South America where the role of a mother is so much more celebrated and honored. And, you know, it's, it's more like we do it together. And that's something I really, I really miss here in, in the West. It's very alone, actually. So find your mom tribe. This is a whole different topic for me personally. <laughs> There's a lot of trauma that you just opened. Anyway, but this is I'm sorry. I, no, 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 no. It's, I'm just really, really a big, big, big advocate for what you just said. And you put yes. it really beautifully. Thank you for that. And in, in line with this also, um, you know, I, I used to be called and it still happens. Oh, you're such a super woman. You're such a power woman. How yes. do you do it all? And in the beginning, because also because of the way I was raised, I was like, oh, it was so cool to be called like this. I was so flattered, you know, and then I realized, <laughs> okay, what the fuck? Like, no, it's so <laughs> bad. It's so bad in yeah. so many ways, because first of all, it doesn't allow you to show any emotions yes. like sadness or anger. Yeah. Yeah. And you are being so horrible for other moms. They will feel like, oh, how's she doing? Yes. And I cannot even clean my house once a week, yeah, you know, or whatever. Yes. yes. <laughs> it's horrible. And we're so focused on what we see and we don't see what it what it costs you to be this superwoman, right? Exactly. And that as well, to maintain this image. Mm -hmm. And it's also, then you're not human. If you're you're not human. human. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know I, if you I want to add it. more. I feel like I answered my... Oh, this well, is you a question answered your question perfectly. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't agree more. And and I hate it as well. It's it's a real trigger for me. Um, and and especially, especially when it's said, well, to any woman, to any mother, uh, but especially to women of color, black women mm -hmm. who hear this all the time, the strong black mm -hmm. woman, like, you know what? We're tired. We're, we're soft, we're sensitive, and we don't want to be strong all the time. We want to, you know, we don't want to wear the cape all the time. And, and if we are perceived this way all the time, there is no space for that. There is no, you know, and that's well, what you're saying. It's, 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 it's too difficult. We're human. It's not possible. <laughs> Actually, well, I grew up with, with a mom who, And I think generation, her own traumas, that's her way of coping. Like I'm the mm -hmm. strong, strong mm -hmm. black woman. And it, it helps her kind of ish. I don't know. <laughs> and I remember like writing this post on LinkedIn uh, about this topic, like, you know, why I don't like to be called superwoman. Da, da, da. And I guess she didn't really read the post and was like, I need to support my daughter. And she liked it and was like, oh, you're such a power woman. I'm like, no, <laughs> read the post. I'm, I'm trying to say that it's, it's more damaging that, uh, than we realize it is. And it, it divides us, what you're saying, because other women are like, oh my God, you know, how does she, how does she do it? And, and. I I strongly believe, and I've seen a lot of women uh, in therapy, in coaching, I strongly believe that there is no one who is a truly superwoman and it doesn't cost her anything. Yeah. I don't believe it. You, you, you don't know what happens inside her home. Mm -hmm. You don't know how her 
marriage maybe is, you know, suffering or, or if she has like uh, insomnia or other problems, you don't know, but I bet she does. I bet it costs her something because it's not, you know, it's not human. It's not possible. And it, and the thing is, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be, to be happy and connected and to get things done. Doesn't. I think it's, it's so the old happy. way of, it's, it's the old way of, of thinking. We're past that. Yes. You opened another door there. <laughs> I open, and I'm opening a lot of doors today. Yes, today. You can close some if you want to, yeah, you know. No, it's great. L- That's not all at the same time. I'm right? happy we're having this conversation. <laughs> Very happy. Yeah, me too. Me too. And on your journey, who has been your soul? Yeah, I think this is so, this question is so difficult to answer. I thought about it a lot. You can answer and many people, things, values, you know, well, it's a very open that, question. Yeah, that's the thing, because I was like, why is it so hard to answer this question? Because, of course, there are many people in my life teachers my my sister friends my brother um, like uh you know artist idols so of course there are many people who who helped me in my journey in my development but like actually i feel like um after my 30th of, no, no, before my 30th, I, I, I cannot like pinpoint one certain person. I was like, why is this? And I think this is the answer. I never considered myself as this self-made woman. Maybe I'm still too humble for that. Um, because when I think about self-made women... I think about the Beyonce's and and the Michelle Obama's and all these these women who are you know great role models and and there are you know you well, you know <laughs> but when I look at myself I do feel like a lot of things I had to figure out myself I I do feel like when I look at my family I am the cycle breaker in many things, which um, actually is very undervalued and (laughs) a hard position to be a cycle breaker. You know, it's not understood. It's not celebrated. There are no cheerleaders. The path is not clear. You know you want things differently, but you don't know how. And it's very um, um, scary, actually. So. So that's why I find it hard to like really think of someone, some person, because I I think, yeah, I after my my thirtieth birthday I had more experience, and when I started to, um, you know, be an entrepreneur, then you, well, I actively um, try to connect with women who also were entrepreneurs, and I did some business programs. So then, like more women, especially came to my world who were like, oh my God, you're so inspiring and helping me in my personal and my business journey. Um, but then when, if I, if I have to like think of someone, it's my dad. 
And the sad thing is that I realized this when he passed away, because he passed away. Because then you start looking back, thinking back about your relationship, about, you know, when I was uh, in my teenage years, we didn't get along well. But before that, we did. And remember, like, if there was something, it was always there. And But the most important thing is that he was very, I don't know, very calm, very like a quiet, relaxed man, but so intelligent and so, you know, knowing about a lot of things. And he was always himself. And there is one memory when he was already sick. And I'm not sharing this memory because it's very dear to me and I want to keep it to myself. Mm -hmm. But it comes down to us discussing about being true to yourself. And I realized maybe too late that he always was. And I think that's, that's the most beautiful thing, you know, if, if, if you, if you can be like that. Again, going back to this, this is my mission and therefore also my, you know, my own biggest, <laughs> biggest challenge, like just being you, you know, it's, it's, it's a tattoo on my arm, just be you, which is, it's, it's, it just is funny because it, it, you know, it sounds like just, just do it. Like it's easy, right? And it should be because being you, being yourself should be the most natural thing at the same time. I experience myself and see a lot that for most people, it's very difficult and it takes a lifetime to become themselves. And looking back and seeing that my father always was, really was himself, mostly himself. I think that's so inspiring. So, so my father is, is my salt. Thank you. Long Thank story. You. Yeah, Thank long you. story. Thank <laughs> long, you. Yeah, long, long story. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. And it's nice how we started our conversation. We ended. Yeah. Thank and you for that question present. also, because yeah. it's really, it really made me think. And, and I'm very happy what, what my, how I ended, what, what my insight was. Like, yeah, he is. And, and that's nice to to realize that you know something that really keeps me connected to him as well so it's a really beautiful question thank you for that thank you and actually what what you just said i appreciated a lot that you actually didn't just say oh it's my dad because of this and this but you took us on the journey what did that question do to you what it evoked to you what kind of feelings what kind of thoughts how you could have answered it, but you didn't answer it like this. And what happened right now until you, you finished talking about, finished, let's say, talking about this question. And this is something that is very big on sold. Uh, one of the things I also said on my website, when we meet, we are open to the unexpected. Mm. We are open to, the, to those unexpected openings, to those wet connections that you see how everything kind of connects with each other. But also, and People know that I'm a very fierce feminist. Um, and when I did my studies, we talked a lot about it. When you 
buy a book, let's say, or you read an article or you buy something that a designer made, you see only the end product, but you don't see the tears, the anger, the sweat, oh, the insecurities, yes. the pain, the joy, the love, the emotions, the whatever. I'm done with it. I will never do it. Maybe the fight yeah. you had with your partner, the screaming you had with your children, exactly. whatever. Yeah. You don't see any of this. And I feel today with our conversation, you didn't do that. You shared with us all the sweat, all the pain, all the doubts by answering all the, the questions that we, uh, that we, yeah, that we discussed. And I really, really appreciate it because this Thank is you. a big part of soul that we share all of this. So what is your question for me? Yes, I do have a question for you. Okay. So my question for you, because I think it's so, it's, it's really inspiring to me what you do, Thank you. the things you do, but how do you stay active as an intersectional feminist without becoming totally bitter? How do I maintain my joy, you mean, and my energy and my will to keep going? Um, of course, they are the dark days. <laughs> But I will answer your question. I won't go there. Um, that's a good question. There are different reasons. One reason is people, connections. Um, I will give a very concrete example. I went to Tunisia last month um, to co-moderate a workshop together with my very, very Dear friend uh, Rula, we are colleagues, comrades, friends. We studied together. We work a lot together. And we moderated that workshop. And I also gave a presentation on feminist research practice, a topic I'm very, very passionate about. When I was there, of course, you have to moderate, you have to meet, you have to run. We had events, dinners, all these things. And you're in Tunisia. It's a very, yeah, hustle and bustle in the city, you know, the driving. So a lot of energy, a lot of heat. And that to me gives me a lot of, like, I love it, you know? Mm. So that really energized me. And um, then I also spent a few days there with my partner. And when I came back, I realized how much it actually energized me and how much I needed this trip, how much I needed to come together with fellow feminists, activists, podcasters, community, the community, the solidarity, the love, you know, because you mentioned love as well. And for me, feminism is love. It is love. Yeah. It's community. It's kinship. It's so many things. And being there for eight days gave me so much. I'm back and I'm recording all the time. I have recordings, <laughs> people I'm sending. I'm, I feel so yes. nice and so active. So this is one of the things, the community coming together with people, the movement. Like I always say, if I have to use one word that characterizes me, it's movement. Feminism is a movement. I move a lot. I like to move. I like all these interactions, connecting with people really, really deeply, you know? Yeah. And then sometimes when I have these doubts about what am I doing? What is this podcast? And then I meet people like you and I have this conversation because I held, I hate small talk with a passion. That gives me, yes, here I am. We continue, we continue. And also, I always say, um, and this is something I learned uh, maybe in Greece without realizing it, but I really learned it in Argentina. My partner is Argentinian-Dominican, so I learned it there, and I learned it from also a fellow Argentinian feminist. She put it so beautifully. Joy is resistance. Mm. 
by mm-hmm. being joyful, I resist. True. Of course, I embrace the bitterness, I embrace the anger, I embrace the sadness, but the joy is resistance. Mm-hmm. You're not going to break me and I will keep going. And and yeah, so looking at things also in a, in a political way, you know, in a movement way, yeah. in an activist way. And um, yeah, just the connection with the people. To me, it is so, so amazing. This coming together, the gathering. I, I love the word gather, you know. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. use it a lot. Gathering, solidarity, solidarity across borders, across movements, across ideas. This coming together and, and being with each other. Yeah. So this is something that... Um, and also because you mentioned it before, when you think about Beyonce or Michelle Obama. When I started my podcast, I say... I don't want to have Michelle Obama or Beyonce on my podcast. Ah. I want to have you. And yeah, I, yeah, I even yeah. gave a presentation about it during my master in gender studies yeah. because I needed to present. And one of the things I said was this. And one of my fellow students said, but what if you can have them? You will say no. I mean, I didn't use Michelle Obama and Beyonce. I don't remember who I mentioned there. But I understand. And yeah. I say, hmm, maybe I will say yes. Depends. But I'm really interested in us yeah, and people like us. Because at the end of the day, that's who we are. We are, exactly. They're not that many Michelle Obamas and Beyonce's and whatever, no, you know? No. So, yeah, I'm. Uh, this is a little bit my answer to your question. Wow, I love it. And I also see like the fire in you when you yeah. talk about it. Thank you for this conversation. I obviously enjoyed it very much. I learned mm-hmm. many things. You opened some doors that I will... Uh, yeah, you helped me also as well with many of the things that you said. And uh, most of the time I honor somebody at the end of my podcast. And today I actually want to honor... Uh, my very good friend Stama. She's a coach. She's the person who taught me about coaching, the beauty about coaching, how amazing it is to be a coach and to be coached. And she really opened the door of softness in me. And by that, many things changed in my life. So I want to honor her. But I also want to all of you other coaches that are out there. And um, I love the work that you do. So I want to honor you all. And I want to thank everybody for listening. And I want to thank you for having this conversation with me tonight. And uh, yes, if people want to reach out to you, to Odile, you can do that. And if you enjoyed the episode, please share it in your community. And yeah, thank you very, very, very much. Something that is loved is never lost. I'm Stella Saliari, and this is Salt the Podcast. Podcast.